horsing around post first wave of free agency pre league meeting edition, and also the Broncos got a starting quarterback edition. I'm Andrew Mason, DenverBroncos.com, Orange and Blue 760, joined by Andy Lindahl, also of Orange and Blue 760. You can listen to him every weekday, Monday through Friday, of course. Those are the weekdays, 7 to 10 a.m. Columbus and Lindahl, I'm on first and 10 at 10, following them 10 to 1. And the Broncos have a quarterback. And obviously, it's been pretty quiet aside from that. They re-signed Todd Davis. They bring in Tremaine Brock to be a potential number three cornerback. Uh, you know, that, that gives you some insurance if some of those young cornerbacks you have don't develop. But the big thing going into the offseason, we knew it, was quarterback. That was obvious. Everyone knew it. John Elway said it. And no matter what happens going forward in the draft, you have someone that you can trust that has an experienced starting quality season who can be your guy. And that's why Case Keenum's here. Yeah, and I mean, you know, an interesting move, to say the least. Uh, I liked the Case Keenum that we met at the press conference. The guys got me fired up. I think showed the personality that John Elway wanted. I, I think it's fair to say, I'll go ahead and say it, I think John Elway would have liked to heard some of those same demonstrative statements and those same voice tones from Trevor and maybe even a little bit from Paxton that he got from Case, where Case walked in and said, bring on all comers. I want to be the starter. I, I know how this league works. I don't care if you draft two, three, four quarterbacks. This is my job. I'm planning on keeping it my job, and I like competing. I've had to compete for everything in my life, and I don't care what obstacles you throw in front of me. So a good first impression. Certainly going to be an intriguing signing. Um, now, like you said, at five, you get all sorts of options, and I, I won't lie to you. I didn't think this would happen for me. And as much as I like Saquon Barkley and the sexy, you know, skill position pick or whatever, I would absolutely love it if they found a way to make this work out so Quentin Nelson all of a sudden becomes your new right guard, Leary back to left guard. And who knows, maybe you get McGlinchey down the road, you pair those two together on the right side. But, Andrew, it gives them options, as you said. And ultimately, you and I have spoken for years. We did podcasts the last two years. You don't want to get caught being forced to have to take something. You don't. You, it truly is, I think, best player available and who you like. And now you don't have to pick a quarterback because I don't know if they love all four. If your guy's in there, take who you like. Take the best player. Yeah, if you're going to guarantee to, that you're going to get the guy you want at quarterback, if you've identified, say, two guys that you're comfortable with, you probably have to go up to two. Yep. Now there's some rumblings that the Giants may be open for business at number two. We had a Giants insider on that said Denver is as far back as the Giants will go. That Gi The Giants are only interested in talking to Denver because they want Quentin Nelson, too, yes. or they want one of those guys. They're not going back into the teens or the, you know, the double digits. I actually have Quentin Nelson mocked to the Giants at two right now, which may seem high. but I had that last week I'm, in our little deal Friday. I'm reading the tea leaves on Dave Gettleman, their general manager. He has a phrase he likes to use, hog mollies describes the big guys on the offense and defensive lines. Dave Gettleman loves his hog mollies. And Quentin Nelson is an uber hog molly. The other thing that, in trying to read the intent of the Giants, is at the Combine, Gettleman did an interview, and he's talked about what you're looking for at that spot. And he says, look, can you see this guy putting on a gold jacket? And if that's the criteria then Quentin Nelson might be the most likely guy. I think certainly he is the lowest risk player in this draft. 
And actually, if I'm ranking the players overall, regardless of position, regardless of where you'd slot them in the draft based on the value of that position relative to the pick, I think Quentin Nelson is the best player in this draft. Yeah, it, but well, that doesn't mean you take him at two or even at five because as good as he is, as potentially great as Quentin Nelson is, does a guard really change your team's outcome that much? I will tell you, I think for the Broncos, that's where they are. I, for me, yeah. Now, not for every team, to your point. Not for every team. But I think, I think for the Broncos and what they're looking for up front. Now, granted, in a perfect world, Quentin Nelson would be a tackle. But he's not. But still, I think for the nasty that you want and what you need to do to that offensive line and the talent you need to probably infuse in that offensive line, I think it's perfect. Now, And again, to your point about the Giants, another reason why, why maybe you do it at two, I'm with you. When you go and you give the largest left tackle contract in history to Nate Solder to come block for Eli Manning, well, guess what? That tells me you're all in on Eli for a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and you're not quite as worried. You can find another quarterback a little bit later on. Maybe it won't be the caliber of who you got it to previously. But to me, you give Eli something to kind of build around, and you get after it because there's plenty of running backs. As much as we all love Saquon Barkley, I think there's plenty of running backs that could really tempt your fancy later on, whereas I, there's just the guys that I talked to have told me there's something different about Quentin Nelson. The guys that I trust, the guys that do their homework, because you know me, I don't claim to be a draft expert. Yeah. But the guys I trust have said, this guy is an exception. He's one of those exception players that you make the exception for. Now they've also told me Saquon and Chubb are the same thing. but And Chubb plays a premium position. Yep. He's that edge rusher guy. Best edge rusher in the draft. That is a position that you can rationalize top five easily based on the premium nature of it. If you're not going to draft a quarterback, you're drafting a guy who can destroy what a quarterback does, and that's Bradley Chubb. goes back to what I always said when he first got here. you got to find a guy that can throw a ball and then go get the guy that goes and gets the guy that mm-hmm. throws the ball. And that's Chubb. So it's been an interesting first week, Andrew. I don't know. The tight end position needs some answers, I think. Um, we've got to kind of figure out. What goes on with the right tackle position? Uh, Mike Kliss kind of told us they, they thought they were going to maybe be able to get something done ultimately with the Miami Dolphins, and then something happening in the Miami plans that changed, and now Miami's asking for a higher price than the Broncos are interested in. We'll see if the conversations are revisited. Um, maybe there's other options out there we're not aware of right now, but uh, you do at least get, help me out here, Big 77. I'm, I'm spacing his name. The right tackle they just brought back, Billy Turner. Is now back can in be mix. a tackle and a guard. Nice, he was having a pretty good camp last yeah, year. Nice, versatile backup, at least, who could potentially be a right tackle option if he continues to develop. At the very least, he could compete for guard. What do you think about Menelik Watson? Do you think there's another level there? Do you think getting a tackle-focused coach can help him find something else? Because my, my main concern with Menelik is we all remember the audio from when he was blocking Chris Long and he basically admitted to him, I have no confidence right now. You know, those are two guys that had played together at a previous stop, and I thought it was actually an interesting interaction. Some people I know, uh, Matt McChesney wasn't thrilled that Menelik would admit that, but I thought it was about as honest a look into an athlete's soul as you could get where he said, look, man, my blocking's trash, and I know it right now. Do you think a tackle-specific coach can help uh, get him back where he needs to be? It couldn't hurt. I think you have to find out if he's able to tap into that athleticism. I think 
changing things up, it can help him. I think it can help Garrett Bowles as well. And Garrett Bowles, you know, could probably use a little bit more uh, focused and individualized instruction that a tackle-specific coach can give him. Maybe it helps both of them. And, but, you know, Menelik Watson, you've really got one year to kind of figure out, okay, maybe you've won camp to figure out, okay, can you find this? Can you can you tap into that athleticism? Can you keep him healthy? Because yeah, that's, huge that's the other thing. Remember, when he had that, when he was mic'd up, he'd already gotten hurt, and he was trying to work his way back in the lineup, and he really couldn't. He was basically functioning at half speed at that point because he was injured, and then he went on IR, and that was it. Well, we'll have to see how this all plays out. I will say this. For the Bronco fans that are getting a little panicked, A, I get it. I think we both do. I mean, I, I think even the Broncos themselves thought maybe they'd have a few more player acquisitions than they do to this point, but you have to wait and see how the whole thing looks. You know, we too often, in the media especially, we're guilty of declaring the winners a week in a free agency. You and I were talking about it before the recording. Half the guys that are signing right now are going to be let go in two years. Mike Wallace, I always remember Mike Wallace. Remember when he was the mm-hmm. prime receiver? And think about Indomitian Sue too. There's a couple of Dolphins guys that are now let go, and they're, on, they're going to be on their third teams, four teams. I mean, Mike Wallace was with the Ravens last year, and that was one of the most plodding, static offenses in football. Now, he's got a lot of speed. That's great. But what was he really doing to stretch things out for them? So let me throw this at you. Because after the signing of Case Keenum, and for those that missed the John Elway press conference, A, I'm sure you can find it on DenverBroncos.com. But and other interviews with Case Keenum, too. John made it very clear this is the starter right here. We're not questioning it. He's taken the first team reps. He's taken the first team reps all the way through. So with that being the case, many have said, okay, then, don't bother drafting a quarterback at five, which I totally get. But I'm asking, even though I know the answer, can you make the case for why you still go quarterback at five? Yes, and here's the case. No pun intended. The case against Case Keenum? I'm not. No, it's not a case against Case Keenum. It's a case for having options. It's a case for putting yourself in the spot that Philadelphia was back in 2016 when you had Sam Bradford coming back and you signed Chase Daniel and you still made the trade up to take Carson Wentz. There was some criticism of the Eagles at the time that, oh, you know, that's, that's too much. You need to trade one of these guys right away. And instead, no, they rode Sam Bradford as the starter throughout the offseason in the training camp, and then they traded him during camp after Teddy Bridgewater went down, and they felt comfortable enough to give Wentz the keys at that point. But they gave themselves options at quarterback. They didn't have a franchise guy. They weren't sure where they were going. So they had multiple paths that they could take. Sam Bradford or Carson Wentz. Bradford was, you know, has, has the talent, but he's been injured. Carson Wentz, number one overall pick. Here's where I look at it from the Broncos. First of all, the chances of finding a long-term quarterback solution in the draft drop precipitously after the top five picks. Since 1990, 57% of the top five selected quarterbacks, top five in the draft, have gone to the Pro Bowl. It drops like a rock after that. You can look at Super Bowl appearances. You can look at Pro Bowls. Years, pro, years as a starter. Everything goes off the cliff after the top five. So there's a reason why guys go in the top five. Premium position, that's the best talent there. It's still the best 
bet. Take a quarterback there. If you have a surplus of quarterbacks, you can easily deal from it. You can easily trade from that and get at least what you invested into in, in back in a trade, if not more. And look, we know the importance of the position. Until you know you have that long-term guy, what's wrong with putting extra resources into that until you find that guy? You, you picked twice in the top five in the last quarter century. The first time you got Von Miller, a guy who could destroy what other quarterbacks did. Cam Newton was off the board at one. You picked Von Miller two. If the Panthers had taken Von Miller one, would have probably expected the Broncos to take Cam Newton two. I think that's fair to say. A very interesting what if in NFL history if those picks are reversed. But again, those are premium spots, either the quarterback or the guy who can dismantle what a quarterback does. And that's why you're sitting there at five in a quarterback-rich year. This is unusual that you have four quarterbacks you're talking about as potential top five picks. You could have six quarterbacks going round one if there's another run later and Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph come off the board. I think you take advantage of the fact that you have a top five pick in a year that is blessed with quarterbacks, and if one of them is there, or if you have to trade up, one of them is there that you like, you get that guy. And then if you've got more options, if Case Keenum proves he's the franchise guy, then you roll with Case and you can trade that, for that top five pick and probably get a top five pick or more back in return. Would it be curious... Because now that you, you've jogged my memory, talked about all the times the Broncos have picked top five, just twice. Most recently was Vaughn Miller. I believe Mike Kroll was the other time, right? The pass rusher? Before the quarter century that I'm talking about, yes. Mike Kroll back in 91. That was 27 years ago. What if they went Bradley Chubb with five this year? I'd Seems be okay work, with Well, that. I can't say it worked out. Mike Kroll worked out for a year. Unfortunately, not much after that. But. What's interesting with Bradley Chubb is... He's 269 pounds, and he's added weight over the course of his career at NC State. So I would be fascinated to see how Bradley Chubb would be used if the Broncos drafted him. Is he stand up in your base? And then in sub packages, is he going with his hand in the dirt as one of those two down linemen? And if that's the case, who's the other D lineman? Derek Wolf? Are you going pass rush heavy? And it's... Bradley Chubb and Demarcus Walker. The problem with that is then, you, then your heaviest guy up front is 280 pounds. Then they're running at you. Yeah. So you might have to have Derek Wolf and Bradley Chubb. But imagine if you've got Bradley Chubb as an inside rusher and then Von Miller stacked behind him on the edge, flanking him. Someone's going to wet themselves. That's all I'm going to say. The other That's th- not going to go well for the, the other thing that, tackle. Yeah, and obviously you can never have too many pass rushers. But if you draft Bradley Chubb, Shane Ray's no longer a starter. Really? You don't think so? No, because in a base package, Bradley Chubb at 269 is probably going to be a starting outside linebacker. Interesting. I don't think you're, and I could be wrong, but I don't think you're starting a 269-pounder as a 3-slash-5 technique in a base that's not the best role for him. No, I, 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 under, I, I just think it could all be. And, but then again, you have a tradable commodity if you wanted it in Shane Ray. Although, 
you and I know how this goes. With the pass rushers, kind of like the quarterbacks, it takes you a little while to figure it out. Now, if you're good like Vaughn Miller, midway through your rookie year, you got to figure it out. Shane Ray really started to make some strides and, and, and started to get some things towards the end of his rookie year with the Super Bowl. But um, it'll be interesting to watch, Andrew. It's going to be interesting to watch. Before we get too far down the road, do you want to argue about the franchise quarterback definitions? It, it, do we have enough time for that today? Yes. Or do we need, do we need more time? We can talk about it because we had this discussion on first and ten at ten on Wednesday. I have seven tiers of quarterbacks. Seven? Seven. From elite to questioning basic science. So you're <laughs> That's Geno so, Smith. So you're with his dalliance with flat earth so nonsense. Hopefully there's not a lot of those. But Geno Smith is on tier seven down by himself. Your top tier though is elite. Yes. See, my top tier is franchise, and that's where I worry this is going to well, become a round-around discussion. Do you remember when Newman on Seinfeld talked about how, I think it was all registered mail is certified, but not all certified mail is registered or something like that? Sure. Okay. All elite quarterbacks are franchise quarterbacks, but not all franchise quarterbacks are elite quarterbacks. See, again, this is where we're going to have this problem. I can okay. already tell this is going to bat because, to me, he's not a franchise guy. If he's not, you can be elite but not a franchise. Franchise, to me, means you are a franchise. You're like, you're like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. The team is building around you to be a franchise okay. guy. Right, that's fine. You could be a long-term starter. Like, to me, Joe Flacco is not a franchise guy because he's not elite enough. Is Matt Ryan a franchise guy in Atlanta? I'm not sure yet. See, I think he is. I, I think he's, he's going yeah. into year think, eleven of the start. He's, he's taking those. Is he Super really Bowl. that long? Yes. 08 draft. Matt Ryan is a franchise quarterback, but is he elite? I've got him in tier two A. What's tier two A? These are guys that you can win a title with, but they're not quite elite. They're not the Elways. They're not in the Hall there of Fame. There are five top guys five that discussion. are elite in my book. In history, right or now, currently? elite. Five current starters are elite. Okay. See, that's. I'm telling you, your elite is my franchise. That's why we just need so to stop So who are it. my – see if you can guess my five elite. Breeze. Yes. Are we, we're talking modern. So currently current going starters, to take the have, field next year. I have five current elite guys. Is Roethlisberger in there? Yes. Okay, so Roethlisberger, Brady, Breeze. That's yes. easy. Aaron Rodgers has yes. got to be in there. And I guess fifth could be interesting. Do you go with the young guy in Wentz? Or is he not shown enough yet? He's 2A. Okay. Um – but he, but I'll tell you what if he had if the Eagles had won the Super Bowl with, with him, Carson Wentz I would already put him in tier one Cam Newton two A really okay uh, Philip Rivers two A Eli Manning tier four they're solid starters Russell Wilson but they're kind of, yes Russell Wilson okay. is my fifth guy in the elite see I would say this you and I. I, like I said, our our opinion of what the top category is is the same. How we want to label it is what's different. Do you call Russell Wilson a franchise quarterback? He's a franchise quarterback to me because the franchise guys to me. See, I've said this to everybody. Like Ryan and James are getting all over me going, oh, you're the old guy saying that nobody's as good as back in the day. No, 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 that has nothing to do with it. To me, not everybody gets a franchise quarterback. The Broncos are lucky to have two franchise quarterbacks in their history, L.A. and Manning. That's it. Nobody else is a franchise quarterback. They've had good long-term starters, which Craig is to me Morton. your 2A, right? Jake Plummer, I mean, he could have been more long-term, but he was a good starter Craig while Morton he was, here, was but definitely a 2A when he first uh, got to Denver. 
took him to a Super Bowl, proven. Was he AFC Offensive Player of the Year in 77, I think? Or at least Comeback Player of the Year? See, to me, yeah. I say franchise. when I say franchise, I'm talking about the guys whose faces pop up when I mention the name. If I say Denver Broncos, you either think Manning or Elway. If I say 49ers, to me, you either think Steve Young or Joe Montana. If I say the Cowboys, Aikman or Staubach. It's guys like that. But see, you and I, I think, are speaking the same language, just choosing different labels. So, And I think of the you, Atlanta Falcons, I think of Matt Ryan. And I'm, I'm not telling you that. It should have been Michael Vick, but he blew it. But see, the fact that you have him 2A, I would go with him being a 2A guy, okay. if you want to put it that way. Yeah, the 2A guys are the guys that it's, you know, it's clear that they can take their team to a, to a title. And then the 2B guys... What they're missing is, like, substantial playoff success. You know who's 2B? Kirk Cousins is 2B. Alex Smith is 2B. Thank you. Alex Smith is not a franchise guy to me. Matthew Stafford is 2B. Under my terms, Alex Smith is not a franchise. Would you say Matthew Stafford is a franchise quarterback in Detroit? Not yet. No, I'm with you on 2B. He's not had enough playoff success. But they build their franchise around him right now. That's fine, but that just means you have a long-term starter to me. Again, franchise to me, it means you are a franchise. You are your own stardom. You are as much the team as the team is you. Now, it's going to be harder. Like people said, well, then Manning can't count that way. All right. You know, I get that. He was the franchise guy while he was here. He I, is I don't a care franchise that, guy anywhere he goes to me. I, so. I don't care that he was only in Denver four years. He's still a franchise guy. To me, it's about the level of play. And he brought the level of play. And, and to me, again, not everybody gets a franchise guy. That's what you have to accept. And, We're and, not handing out soccer trophies here. And Denver had it for four years with Manning and, it had, and had it for 16 years with Elway. And both were brilliant. And the thing I come back to with Peyton Manning, yeah, he was only in Denver for four years. But in some ways, his level of accomplishments in Denver matched Indianapolis. Same number of yep. Super Bowl appearances, same number of world titles. And he had one great, one truly transcendent season in Denver. And one transcendent season, record-breaking season, in Indianapolis. Okay, before we wrap it up, I've got to ask you then: Where do you put Drew Bledsoe? Because Drew Bledsoe was throwing to me too, and I said, "Yeah, not." I mean, again, long-term starter got him to a Super Bowl. Certainly, everybody thought they he wanted him. He would have been two A. I'm with you. He's more, he, but I wouldn't call him true franchise under my definition. He was the franchise while he was there. I think. I think people have forgotten how Drew Bledsoe was the Patriots. While he was their quarterback, and then he, Tom Brady came and blew it. Right, all up. exactly. <laughs> and and look, they weren't forecasting Brady. They had just extended Bledsoe. People, you know, say, "Oh, it was always going to be this way." Belichick had extended Bledsoe. Belichick was more than happy to go in with Drew Bledsoe as his long-term guy. And then he got hurt, and Tom Brady happened. It would be what Bob Ross called a happy accident. Yeah. Well, look, I'm disappointed. I thought we might have a little more yelling out here at Illegal Pete's. Maybe next week we'll yell about the purposes of the Cadbury cream egg with <laughs> Easter coming up. Well, we could also talk about the cash rule. Well, we will. Because that's going to be finalized next week. Look, and I'm going to be yelling about that regardless. The football move is coming back. Stop but there's it. an interesting gray area that Al Riveron, I know. Who's, who brought up I'm going not to like him. About the ability to make a football move. So determining whether it's a catch or not. You're already getting me angry. 
Why does that make you angry? Because it was simple and it was right there. And now we've got to go. Look, because you know what? I don't want to see official huddles. We'll talk about it next week. But the last thing I want to see, you want to speed up the game? Stop getting these guys together to talk about the crap they think they saw. That's all I'm saying. You want to speed up the game? Put the ball in play faster. Make it like rugby. Well, quit talking about things about this gray area of football move that gets them to get together to see if they saw one or not. It's two feet and a catch. Control. Boom. We're done. Just go back. Well, if, back you're putting the ball, if you're putting the ball back in play quickly, there's not going to be much time for a challenge. You're going to have 10, 15 seconds to make I'm that challenge and go. I'm not worried about the challenge. Go. I'm worried about the refs getting together. What would you see? Well, here's what I saw. Are you sure that's what you saw? I don't know. Let them replay it. Well, the only, replay, the only guy who's going to be debating that is the replay official. You're not drawing talking, me in yet. Talking with the you're referee. Trying, you're going to open the floodgates, and I'm not ready yet. So, More to come to be continued on the Horse and Round podcast next time. For Andy Lindahl, I'm Andrew Mason. Talk to you next week.